Welcome to FEPS Talks, the podcast series of the Foundation for European Progressive Studies. Find out more about us on feps-europe.eu. I would like to welcome you to this very special episode of the FEPS Talks. Very special because it falls onto a very sad and difficult anniversary of 10 years since the attack in Oslo and in Utoya. And today we would like to look back, but we would like to also see how we as social democratic movement can make sure that democracy, freedom and respect for each and everyone is a way to go forward. For that reason, today I'm joined by a very special guest to whom I'm very grateful for connecting with us uh, in difficult time and also intense preparations ahead of the commemorating events. Gauta Bustet-Skiervo, who is the vice president of IUF, the Norwegian Labour Party youth organization, and who also is among leaders leading the preparation towards the moment when we are going to think about the victims, uh, think about this terrible event, but also try to see how we can, as a movement, move forward. Uh, Gauta, so, so honoured to have you with us. Thank you so much, uh, Anja. Nice to be here. If you allow me, I mean, um, I have to say that even though it's already been a decade, um, still the memory of the anxiety of the moment, of the terror, um, of uh, the fear of losing the closest, of comrades being put in such a tremendously difficult situation, some of them having given their lives, uh, many of them carrying the scars with them today as we speak. What people who might not have been uh, following uh, the tragedy back then, what do you think they should remember when we talk about Utoya and Oslo attacks? Well, that's a good question. And I think the most important part to remember about the 22nd of July attacks would be that the attacks on the the governmental headquarters in Oslo and the AUF summer camp on Utoya was a political attack. It was an attack driven by right-wing extremist hate towards Muslims and social democrats. And it, the perpetrator was a Norwegian man, uh, a 32-year-old Norwegian man dressed in a police uniform who had been planning the attacks on the Labour Party for more than seven years. And he was under the influence of, of course, some drugs, but mostly by uh, radicalized uh, thinking, by ideologies and hate that he'd been thinking of and being radicalized by. For very many years. So it's important to remember that the attacks on Utea and in Oslo wasn't just merely an accident, it wasn't a catastrophe, it was a political assassination and a massacre directed at the AUF, the labor youth in Norway. And this, this assault, this attack uh, that led to so many uh, lives uh, being lost have been, of course, uh, incredibly uh, terrorizing also context for international community. Absolutely. And we as survivors were met with uh, international solidarity from all over the world, from at the time president of the US, Barack Obama, to all the members of uh, UC and yes, and all our comrades all over the world. So it was an, it was a massacre that um, at least showed solidarity from all over the world and, and showed us that we are a big community that uh, stands with each other when we need to have each other's back. 
what I remember very well, because uh, for me, that was also the time that I have uh, just uh, uh, stopped in my function of uh, Secretary General of the Young European Socialists. So for me, of course, also the moment was incredibly personal, um, was a heroic leadership from the side of the Norwegian comrades and colleagues, and also uh, Prime Minister Jens Stoltenberg. I remember he's uh, also expose uh, half a year later when he said, quoting, one could say also the other social democrats and the wisdom of the social democrats movement that in answer to that we need more democracy. Was that what uh, helped us uh, through uh, this incredible traumatic moment? Yes, I absolutely think it was. It was um, a sign to the rest of the world and to also the terrorists and all his supporters that we would not stop fighting for what we believe in. The Norwegian democracy needs its freedom of speech. It needs its young activists who will never stop fighting towards and against racism. And we need the young people to not be afraid to continue their fight. And that was a very important task for the Norwegian society to comprehend. And I think that Esselberg did this in a very good way when he was speaking about democracy and how, how all of us can never let terrorism makes make us silent and i think that was the main task at the time and uh, today when we look uh, 10 years and as i said before it's quite incredible to believe it's been 10 years because it feels uh, the wounds uh, feel of course still uh, very very fresh you are uh, moving on to commemorating what is uh, behind what is the philosophy that you've taken uh, to look back but also look forward uh, what's going to happen in norway on the 22nd uh, july and around it this year well and uh, this 22nd of july it's going to be a large ceremony, commemoration ceremony, both in Oslo and also at uh, Utøya. Um, of course, the attacks on Utøya and Oslo is and is going to be uh, one of the definitive most um, important uh, historical events in Norwegian history. It changes the way we see ourselves. It changes the way the Norwegian society is. And uh, people all over Norway, from all political parties, people from uh, the most popular artists until uh, all the most influential politicians and journalists are going to be covering um, the commemoration. And I think Norway as a society also is going to go back into a mode where we are thinking more about who were the victims, why were they the victims, and what can we do to stop 22nd of July attacks from happening again or a similar attack? How can we stop, how can we stop it from becoming a new threat towards young people. And uh, how can we do that? Uh, if, uh, if I can follow up uh, that, because I mean, uh, it's much to be done. And I think, um, you know, as painful as the memory is, there is also much of this uh, that uh, makes us obliged to make sure to carry on the message that you've just spelled out. So what can be done uh, in more mm. practical terms? Well, there's so many things that could be done. I think the most important one would be, as I said when I started, uh, that to remember that the attacks on Utøya wasn't uh, an ordinary catastrophe. It wasn't unlucky young, young people who were uh, suddenly hit by a lightning. It wasn't just uh, a natural catastrophe. It was a political assassination and a massacre on our summer camp, the Social Democratic Summer Camp, which has long traditions in Norwegian history. And we know that... If we're going to be able to move on, we have to speak honest about how could the attacks happen? How is it possible that a young man, 32 years old man, could grow up in Norway, grow up in Oslo, in our streets, in our schools, and also work in the same city as us, and become so radicalized, so hateful, uh, that he uh, would kill um, so many people and would have no problems killing 14-year-old activists just 
spending a week on a summer camp for having fun. We have to be able to answer that question. I think the most important part is to also look at ourselves to understand that Norwegian people, we are nice social democrats, but we can also be terrorists. Norwegian people can also be racists. Norwegian people can also be neo-Nazis and fascists. And that's a part of our history. And it's a part of the understanding on how we can stop the attacks from happening again, is to understand that we have to make a much better effort to stop young men, particularly, from becoming so radicalized that they will use violence against those who they disagree with. And if I understand also, uh, because I have to admit, I haven't never been to Utoya. And uh, as much as uh, many of the people listening to this podcast probably try to imagine how uh, Utoya uh, looks today like. And I know that part of the efforts uh, that you are making is also to turn it to a place where you can gain this kind of understanding, when you can follow the path of uh, political education that uh, brings the best out of us as humans, as social democrats, uh, as uh, internationalists, right? Yes, absolutely. And and to understand how Utea is today, you have to also understand the history of Utea. Utea has been the, in the Labour Party and the AUF's ownership since 1950. And it's been the place for the young people of the social democratic movement in Norway to, to hang out, to have their summer camp, to meet the love of their life to get new friends, uh, to go for a swim and to learn about politics. And that hasn't changed since the last 10 years. And of course, Utea now has a much darker history. And you can see still bullet holes in the walls uh, in one of the buildings at Utea. But Utea is also being rebuilt and it is rebuilt. And we now have 10,000 young people visiting Utea every year from schools all over Norway to learn about Utea, what happened, to learn about Uh, democracy and to learn about freedom of speech and anti-racism and such. And also, Utea is still the heart of the labor movement in Norway. And the AUF, we have our summer camp there. We we are having summer camps with 1,000 young people every summer. So Utea is, as one girl expressed it, it's it's a very dark place where the lightning still wins. There's still so much light. There's still so much optimism. And there's still a place for young people to fall in love, to get new friends and to learn so much about politics all over the world. I think that uh, for me and I suppose for, for all of us uh, who are part of this conversation, now uh, this was uh, the moment to look brighter into the future. And uh, with that, I also would like to ask uh, how the international community can this time connect uh, with uh, where you are as uh, young social democrats uh, in Norway uh, in this particular moment. It's, of course, uh, the moment so many will be looking uh, back and so many will have their personal stories. Uh, but how can we create a community feeling around that and precisely carry the message that you've spelled out so brilliantly just a moment before? I think the most important way we could do that is to understand that um, the social democratic movement in the world is one community. We're one community separated by different countries and different languages, but we are we're one family and we have branches all over the world and we have to understand that attack on one of us is an attack on all of us. I think the most important part for the social democratic movement we can have is to stand together to fight climate crisis, to fight uh, rising inequalities and to fight the racist and fascist movements now all over the world, in India, in the US, in, in the Europe. And wherever it may rise, the only power strong enough to stop the fascist movement is the social democratic movement. And first, when we realize that truth, 
is it possible for us to stand together? Because now we are being separated by COVID-19 handling. We're separated by uh, how, what kind of tools we want to use uh, to stop climate crisis. But we have to understand that we, we share our ideology, we share our history, we share tradition, and we share culture. And there's much more, I would say, that um, makes us similar, that separates us. So I think young people in Germany and France and the UK and in the US and Canada and everywhere should feel that the attacks on Utea also was an attack on, on them, because we know there are right-wing extremists in all countries I just mentioned that also want to kill young socialists and young social democrats in our countries. And our task is to stop those movements from getting power and to, to take power, as they've done in so many countries around us, actually in these years, even after the 22nd of July. This is a very uh, powerful uh, message uh, that uh, I hope will indeed uh, transcend. But I also know that uh, um, whilst uh, we have been now talking about how the progressives uh, can find a place for what had happened and uh, how to go about that, how to continue in the important struggle for freedom, for democracy, for uh, equality, for mutual respect, for human rights. Um, of course, this uh, anniversary, this sad anniversary is coming uh, in the moment of a very tense political context uh, in Norway as well, right? Uh, so um, how can you build bridges uh, in that sense when, you know, uh, some would say that the others are trying to make it part of the political campaign, sadly so, and awfully as it may sound? It's a very difficult question because the Norwegian political context right now, it's it's difficult, uh, difficult to explain and to understand as well. Um, we've had a conservative government who has ruled together with the right-wing populists in Norway for eight years. Hopefully, we'll be able to take back power now in September, the new elections. But Norway last year has learned very little from the attacks on Utah and on, in Oslo. And we have uh, actually, I believe, in my opinion, Norway as a society has not been able at all to take a stand and to do what needs to be done to stop fascists in Norway and fascists in Europe. And we have a problem that it's very difficult for Norwegian people to speak about the attacks on Utah. And very many uh, people believe that the attacks were primarily on Norway and our democracy, when it was, in fact, an attack on and the Labour Party and the Labour Youth. And actually now a new scientific paper shows that 44% of all voters who vote on the Conservatives believe that the Labour Party is using the terrorist attack on us in a political way to an, an misusing the attacks, which is quite problematic for me because I'm one of uh, 500 survivors of the terrorist attack on Utea and I'm not able to speak my mind about what can we do to stop it from happening again. I cannot be able to say when you are spreading hate toward Muslims or homosexuals or women uh, in this way, you are actually sharing the values of the ones who killed my friends. I cannot say that because they will say, you're now using Utea, you're now using 22nd of July attacks. And that makes the political landscape in Norway very difficult. And it's not a problem only uh, between the political parties. It's a problem between journalists and authors and uh, other people who are uh, def definiting how we as a society are developing. So it's a big problem. And, and I, as a political activist, as a vice president of the AUF, who were struck by terror, I'm not able in the way I want to, to speak about what we learned from the text, because I'm always going to be told that I'm misusing my experiences. And it makes the political context very, very diff difficult to understand and to comprehend. Gauta, it has been an absolute honor to be able to talk to you. I uh, would like to say 
how privileged I feel um, for uh, having had a chance to have this conversation, uh, to learn so much from you, but also to get uh, very much encouraged that uh, this uh, very certain tragic uh, commemorative point is the point where we connect and find again the best that is out of us. I very much rejoin you in the spirit of international solidarity, respect, and of course, uh, this podcast is just one of many conversations that should happen to build the understanding. So thank you so much for helping us uh, do just that. Get to understand, get to learn, get to know each other better. And uh, we will be with, uh, with you on the 22nd of July and beyond that, uh, believing um, that the progressive values should never be taken for granted and should always be built and fought for. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to have a social democratic movement that stands together. Thank you for your attention. If you found our conversation interesting, do not hesitate to share it on social media with the hashtag FEPSTalks. More is yet to come. Stay tuned. <laughs>